Good morning. Good morning. It is uh, wonderful to be with you all and to, to be able to bring greetings to you from your brothers and sisters throughout the Diocese of the Carolinas. Uh, remember that you are prayed for just as you pray for them. They pray for you and are cheering you on uh, at Grace Anglican and your mission to this community. Uh, it's also wonderful to be here today because we have uh, receptions. Uh, uh, it's an opportunity for folks to profess their faith in this Anglican branch uh, of Christ Church to confirm that their what happened at their baptism, and it's a special special day. And I want to I want to thank you all for your faithfulness in this very difficult season that church finds itself in. I'm very proud of not only Grace Anglican, but uh, so many of our churches that have had to adjust and pivot uh, in a very kind of stressful and difficult time. Uh, and uh, thankful for Jeremiah's, all of your leaders and all the people of Grace Anglican. Uh, you know, they may shut down the society, but the mission of our Lord Jesus is never shut down, it continues, and thank you for uh, persisting into that. Um, let's pray as we open God's word together. Father, I do thank you for uh, your promised uh, presence in our midst. I thank you for your word and pray that your Holy Spirit would attend its proclamation today that we might hear from you in some real and tangible ways. Uh, and that we might grow into the likeness uh, of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. Uh, there's something, I think, in all of us that uh, loves a comeback story. We like uh, surprise and twist uh, as uh, these stories of redemption uh, play out. Uh, when the seemingly down and out or insignificant emerge uh, to our surprise and are victorious. Well, I think Jesus uh, gives us some of those kinds of uh, stories in these parables that we heard today in Matthew 13. And particularly, I want to focus on the mustard seed, the, the, the yeast or the leaven, and the hidden treasure and the pearl. Uh, those, those parables he told um, all of these are kind of natural world examples uh, of, uh, and this is what the parables were, of God's reign, uh, his spiritual reign over the hearts and lives of men, women, and children. Jesus told these kind of practical stories that folks could relate to in order that we could understand something more of the kingdom of God, of his reign over our lives, how, what it looks like, how it works. And, and just in this uh, 13th chapter of Matthew, Jesus moves from kind of the agricultural world where he pulls images out of to the domestic world, to the world of commerce. And he makes his points about what it is that God's up to in our world. But this isn't about worldly success. It's about kingdom life. And for Jesus, that was abundant life. That's real life. It's the, the life that lasts. It's the life that matters, the life that endures. 
And so first was the mustard seed. And Jesus says that the kingdom uh, of God is like a man who takes a mustard seed, which is, Jesus says, the smallest of all seeds. As a matter of fact, if I had a mustard seed in my hand right here, you probably wouldn't be able to see it. It's about the size of the, the head of a pin. It's very, very tiny, and yet it becomes uh, quite a substantial tree if you've ever seen a mustard tree. Uh, but here's Jesus's point. He says, what becomes great in the kingdom of God begins in a very small and insignificant way. What becomes great always begins in a small and insignificant way. Now think about these disciples of Jesus that he was talking to. Jesus was saying some pretty outrageous things to them. He says, guys, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, the church. He says, you will go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He said on another occasion, you are a city set on a hill. Uh, Jesus is saying all of this, and, and you can kind of imagine that the disciples are looking at one another and going, what? We're going we're gonna to be all these things? This is all going to happen to us? I mean, they were feeling pretty insignificant. They had the, this pillar of kind of powerful Judaism all around them and this uh, incredible temple. And then on the other hand, they had the Roman Empire, which... Uh, it was building and, and conquering and just, it, it was like, and we're going to be all of these things. Well, what about you? Uh, what about us? Do, does God's work in our lives sometimes seem kind of small, uh, not very significant? Jesus is saying, don't be fooled by the smallness. He's saying that what we should be about in the kingdom of God is nurturing that small thing that God is doing because the very small thing, the seemingly insignificant thing, may become the most important thing in our lives in time. Uh, there were 12 disciples that Jesus taught this to. And today there's some 2 billion followers of Jesus Christ alive in our world today. What begins small becomes great. Then Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like yeast, which a woman mixes into a large amount of flour. It's a little yeast, a large lump of dough. Uh, now the point here about God's reign and his work in our lives is, is that that work is often hidden. It's not about it being small. It's about it being hidden work. We can't always see, even in our own lives, what it is that God is doing with us or what it is that God desires to do through us. It's like yeast making its way through the flour. And if you're anything like me, you want to be able to see, you want to know what it is exactly that God is doing. But Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, you know, we, we plant, one waters, one plants, but it's God at the end of the day who gives the growth. And so we shouldn't be surprised that in the kingdom of God, the things we can't see require us to live and operate out of faith. 
to trust even when we can't see that God is doing something uh, in our midst. And as he does it, something miraculous takes place. The yeast transforms the entire lump of dough. You see, the, the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is a transforming work. We find ourselves as we follow Christ, as we live under his gracious rule, being transformed and becoming agents of transformation in our families and the places we live and work and in our communities. Do you want to know where the kingdom of God is at work? Look for changes. Look for this transformation. Look for lives that were going one direction but now are going another. Look for character and relationship transformation that God brings about where he heals broken relationships. That's the kingdom of God at work in our lives. The last two examples I want to look at uh, that Jesus gives in this 13th chapter, uh, they actually are two stories that make the same point. One is the hidden treasure. The other is the pearl of great price. In the first one, a, a man is plowing a field and he stumbles into a hidden treasure and he, he goes off and he sells everything he has and buys the field in order that he can have the treasure. And the second, it's a merchant who's actually not stumbling into it, but looking for fine pearls and he finds the one most awesome precious pearl that he's ever seen and he does the same thing. He sells everything he has that he might take hold of that great pearl. Well, what's Jesus getting at? He's speaking about the value of God's kingdom in our lives. Whether we stumble into it or whether we're out looking for it, Jesus says when we find it, it's worth everything we have. We're willing to sell and give up and, and, and take hold of that which is so precious. Let me tell you a true story. It happened with a man named Joshua Bell. Uh, several years ago, he emerged from the metro in D.C. and, and positioned himself uh, beside a trash can. He uh, was nondescript. He was a youngish uh, white man, jeans, long sleeve shirt. He wore a, a Washington Nationals baseball cap. And from a small case, he removed a violin. And he placed the open case at his feet and shrewdly threw in a few dollars to kind of give folks the idea of why that's there. And he began to play his violin. And for the next 45 minutes in the DC Metro, uh, he played Mozart and Schubert, and, and about a thousand people streamed by, most hardly even taking notice of him. And if they had paid attention, they might have recognized that this young man was actually a world-renowned violinist. They might have noted that that violin he was playing was a rare Stradivarius worth over $3 million. They might have known that he had just filled out the Boston Symphony Hall where the ordinary seats went for $100. And yet he only collected $32 from 27 people who stopped long enough to give a donation. You see, the big question 
for us and for so many is, do we recognize the treasure? Do we understand this great pearl of great price when we stumble into it? Do we understand that in the person of Jesus Christ that we're invited into this kingdom, into this relationship, a love relationship with him that endures and surpasses all else? Do we know the value of the forgiveness that he won for us on the cross of Calvary? Do we understand the eternity that hangs in the balance? Or do we pass by, too busy, too distracted, judging the kingdom as, as just insignificant and too hidden from us? You see, the way to greatness is to see and take hold of the one who is great. Psalm 145 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. But don't be fooled, dear friends, by small beginnings in your life. Don't be fooled by the hidden work that's going on under the reign of God in our lives. Those are the things, Jesus is saying, that will one day matter. William Carey, the great 19th century missionary to India, said this. He said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Nurture the seed of God's kingdom work in your lives. Don't uh, allow yourself to, to miss the surpassing worth, the value of what it is to know Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, do, does your life have a kingdom focus? Can you say that you found the one thing which you would give everything else up for? Jesus said it's found in him. It's found in our relationship with his father and our fellowship in his Holy Spirit. May God give us the eyes and the hearts to take hold of his kingdom in our lives. Let us pray. Father, we do bless you and thank you for these simple stories that Jesus told that open windows for us to see the surpassing worth of your kingdom. Lord, give us discernment, give us wisdom, even as we heard Solomon ask for, that we might understand our days and this generation and those things that you're doing in our midst that we might fan into flame the gift of God that's in us through Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.